listening to the CD Baby. CD Baby. CD Baby. DIY Musician Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 131 of the CD Baby DIY Musician Podcast. My name is Kevin Brunner, your host for the show, and today you'll be hearing my conversation with Ari Herstand, where we'll discuss whether or not artists should pay to play. Ari started building his audience in the college scene in Minnesota, which helped to propel him on numerous tours, totaling over 600 shows to date. He's also a blogger with his blog, Ari's Take, where he chronicles all the advice he has for other independent artists. With Ari's touring experience, he's definitely seen just about every booking scenario possible, especially the dreaded pay-to-play. I wanted to have Ari talk through all the, the different typical scenarios that artists come across, and I hope our conversation helps you better understand your options when it comes to dealing with club bookers. Oh, and uh, one last thing. We recorded this conversation over dinner, so you'll hear a little background noise. And uh, in, in case you're wondering, it was Thai food. So let's get to my conversation with Ari. All right, well, I'm joined here by Ari Herstan of Ari's Take, and you write for Digital Music News, and you're an artist yourself. You just, and, and I found out today you're an actor. <laughs> I mean, you just quotes. do it all. We put that, that in quotes, <laughs> the actor part, but yeah, <laughs> technically, yes. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's great to have you on the podcast. You've uh, sort of popped up online with a, a lot of, I would say, commentary or in advice and things like that. and. Sure. and Especially with your your article, your your hit article about uh, that you can carry your instrument on the plane. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that you know, uh, fortunately got that spread around a lot by musicians and. Uh, and so, you know, it's helping a lot of musicians uh, legally, or at least the, inform them that they know that they can carry their instruments on the uh, on their airplane, which is which is yeah, major win for everyone yeah. around the, the country. Yeah. So your your articles tend to be really in depth, and you, it seems like you do a lot of research. But why don't, before we dive into the the topic um, that we're going to discuss tonight, uh, should you pay to play? Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us a little about who you are as an artist and a little bit of your background? Sure. Um, well, I've released, uh, let's see, uh, three full-length uh, studio albums. Actually, I just released my newest album um, about three weeks ago, uh, Brave Enough. Uh, <laughs> plug. Uh, <laughs> you can get it everywhere. No, uh, but no, I, I've released three full-length albums, uh, an EP, studio EP, and two live records. Um, I've played about 600 shows all over the world. Um, and yeah, I've been, I've been, you know, DIY kind of self-managed from the beginning. I booked the majority of those shows, um, myself and, and, uh, yeah. So as an artist, you know, I'm, I'm still, uh, kind of playing all the time, touring a lot. Um, and yeah, basically just kind of, uh, learning, um, and uh, passing along all the, the lessons that I've learned from kind of doing it all on my own, um, to, uh, you know, as any, as many musicians as I can. And that's kind of been the, the vehicle that Ari's take has been is basically just, um, you know, passing on some, some lessons that I've learned and, and kind of helping out artists in, in that realm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess in a nutshell, you know, I, I'm, uh, from, um, 
I've lived in Minneapolis for many years and I was, uh, that's kind of where I guess my musical upbringing has been. Um, it seems that everyone there is kind of two degrees separation from Prince. Um, <laughs> and, uh, right. <laughs> so I, I can't really work in his dance moves to my singer songwriter show, but <laughs> it's there. There's definitely some of that inspiration in everything that I do. Um, and I, great, great music town. Um, but I moved out to LA about three and a half years ago and just kind of been discovering, uh, you know, other opportunities out here. And I've done, I've had quite a few, uh, song placements on TV, um, that I've kind of, you know, gone directly to the music supervisors and done that. And, and yeah, I guess, which brings us to the pay to play topic is, is what I realized coming to LA is that there are a lot of promoters here that will seek out bands on, uh, you know, on Facebook or on Reverb Nation, really, and um, and they will kind of hit them up and say, "Hey, we we're offering you a, a spot to play all these hot Hollywood clubs." And for unassuming, you know, artists that don't really know any better, they they get hit with these offers, and and that's uh, that's kind of really why I started this post. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you tend to write a lot of articles that uh, seem to strike at some nerves that. <laughs> artists deal with and this yeah. is one of them it's yeah. it's one of those issues where you know artists i think feel helpless yeah they can't really they feel like they just have to do whatever the club owner says right. says they need to do but I, the, the thing i liked about your post and why i wanted to have you to talk through it and and sure. for us to discuss the topic is because um there are a lot of scenarios and if you know a little bit more about the scenarios as an artist, you're probably more equipped to deal with the situation and make yeah. a better, better choice about whether or not this gig is really worthwhile instead of just going, oh, okay, right. I'm going to do it because I have to and finding yourself in a spot where it just turns yeah. out poorly. No, absolutely. And, and the thing is, it's not really black and white. And, you know, uh, saying should you play to play, everyone will kind of scream back, well, no, absolutely not. But it really... It's not a black and white issue because there are so many different scenarios and I've because I've booked hundreds and hundreds of clubs around the country, I know all the, virtually every situation for, you know, uh, clubs with a thousand capacity and under. I know what's out there and I've worked with tons of promoters and I know what the deals are and so I've explored a lot of these, and I do know that L.A. has the shittiest deals in the entire country, but that's because we're so saturated with bands here yeah. that promoters can get away with that in L.A. And so bands who are in L.A., especially young bands who don't know any better, will take these shitty deals, and it's, you know, um, any venue in L.A., has a shittier deal than any other venue in the rest of the country, but there are venues out in LA that have less shitty deals, and that's, <laughs> those are the venues that I tend to play yeah. here. Um, and that you know they become respected venues, and then they're they're not the Sunset Strip clubs for the record, yeah. uh, the hottest, sexiest Sunset Strip clubs that everyone wants to play. Promoters know that everybody wants to play that, so they offer the shittiest deal, and a lot of bands agree to it. Um, and if you're a rock band, you know you have you you don't have that many options, and so sometimes you know that's how they can kind of get bands to take these deals. When when I see a typical pay-to-play deal, yeah, they seem structured for the 19 to 23, the college age, sure, rock band who they assume has a bunch of groupie fans. Yeah, we'll we'll deal. So when when I know that the you know independent artists you know they're that are all across the board and encounter these, it's just oh that your heart sinks and you're like, right. I'm not that person. I'm not gonna go solicit a bunch of people at my college or whatever to come 
come to yeah. the show. Yeah. So it'd be let, it'd be cool to kind of just like talk through some of these scenarios. And, sure. And then you know, kind of define them for what they are. Okay. And then kind of maybe you know, discuss whether or not or the situation might be worth actually doing the show or just turning it down. Totally. And I mean, um, one of the yeah the the deal that you're kind of referencing is basically um, this happens actually. It's starting to happen all over the country. Um, it's not just an LA thing. And there are these promoters that are popping up. Um, and uh, I'm not, I don't want to name them, but the, I've seen them and I've had to turn them down um, politely. And by the seventh time, it's not so polite because they, <laughs> they continue to hit, you know, hit you up wherever you are. And just by it's, it's like they send out these um, automatic messages by emails that they acquire from Reverb Nation or, or whatever if they find you on Facebook. But it's really it's, it's become almost like an automatic system. And, and basically what that is, is they say they offer that you can play a really awesome venue in town and uh it's a venue that that you typically wouldn't think you'd be able to play on your own and they say um you know you can hear we're booking this night at this awesome venue and all you need to do is uh sell 50 tickets and um you know at 15 dollars a pop but you have to buy the tickets from us at 12 dollars a pop so you get to make three dollars for every ticket you sell that's great except for the fact that that means you're only making 20 percent on um all that if if you sold all 50 tickets the maximum amount that you could possibly make is 20%, which is the shittiest deal of all shitty deals out there because you don't even have an opportunity to make more money. It's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, you can, you can, uh, th they'll sell you more tickets uh, if you want to sell 100 or 200 or 500, but they're all at like, you pay X amount and you make, you know, $3 per ticket or, uh, you know, and so that's the worst deal out there. And I advise any band who gets offered that deal to, politely tell the promoter to fuck off because <laughs> that is not a good deal and they should know that and those promoters should go out of business because they uh, they are hurting they're taking advantage of young bands they're taking advantage of, of bands who don't know any better and they're really um, you know it, it's it's like any any artist who gets approached by anyone telling them that they like their music or that they want to give them an opportunity band, bands light up for that and that's awesome because you know we're we're constantly being being either shot down or ignored or, or anything and then finally you get a promoter it's like hey I'm a big promoter I book venues like we love your music we want to book you at this club and bands who don't know any better is like oh that's how the club works like oh I guess I have to buy these tickets okay but the thing is, is like if you can actually bring 200 people to one of like on your own, you can go directly to the club and negotiate a deal. If you can tell them that you can actually bring 200 people, they'll give you 70% of the door. And you know, I guess the 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 barrier that a lot of bands feel is like, well, how do I get the venue's uh, booking contact? But you just go to the venue website and you email them. It's not that difficult if yeah. you want to play a venue. So, and a lot of these promoters will put like five to ten to fifteen bands on a bill on one night, uh, each getting about twenty minutes set. And sometimes they'll arrange the night whereas like whoever sold the most tickets get the be quote unquote best time slot of the night. It's all bullshit because it's just like you know what, what are you you're gonna tell your fans that oh I'm playing you know I may be playing second but I may be playing ninth. So you can either come at six thirty 
or you can come at 1 a.m. I don't know <laughs> when, whenever we're going to be on, but hey, come catch our set, or you can sit through 12 other shitty bands that sound nothing like us because it's it's really the barrier for entry at these gigs is just like how much are you willing to pay? Yeah. So that is the worst deal that's out there, and that's all over the country. And unfortunately, these promoters are, are picking up steam, and I'm hoping to to shut that steam off. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's the the interesting thing is it's how that conversation starts. I have a friend who's in a band and got into exact scenario, yeah. exact scenario just yeah. recently, and uh, it started out as, hey, exactly like you said, right. I want, I like your music, let's get a show. And then he w- they were supposed to be the headliner, and then, oh, by the way, you got to buy these amount of tickets. Right. And he'd already agreed to do it. And every, it was like, it wasn't all disclosed up front. And yeah. so that, that was what was, I think, the biggest frustration for him is it's like, oh, and by the way, you got to do this. And they already bought the tickets. They're already kind of bought in. Yeah. And there ended up being like nine bands on the bill. And right. I was telling him like, nine bands? Right. But he's starting at like 6 p.m. Right, and then right. going till 2 in the morning? Right. And that's just not possible. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it just kept getting worse and worse. But the interesting thing was, and I, I totally, I, I went out to the show and I expected to be like an empty venue. Yeah. And him feeling really sorry. But they're actually, the venue had, was, was pretty full. Yeah. And, and so it, it, the thing, though, was it still was a terrible deal. Right. Well, it's a terrible deal for the artist. It's a great deal for the venue. Yes. And it's a great deal for the promoter. And that's what bands need to realize is like, okay, you're bringing, you just filled the house for a venue. Like, you brought all these fans. Why not next time you team up with those bands yourself exactly. and go to the venue directly Fuck the promoter. Go to the venue and be like, "Hey, we got these four bands, and uh, and we filled your venue last time. We're gonna do it again this time. And you know what? Let's cut the deal together with us. We'll cut the promoter out of the deal. We're both gonna make more money on this deal anyways, and offer us a fair deal. And uh, and that happens all the time. That's what that's virtually every show that I've booked in my entire career. Hundreds and hundreds of shows. I go directly to the venue. I put the bill together and we fill the club. It's the reason that venues work with these promoters though when they know that they're offering bad deals is because they've worked with a lot of bands who don't uh, who either don't keep their word or they just don't put in a lot of work and they're just not proven. And, and a lot of the times because of that um, a lot of bands it's a very difficult to get a response from the venue directly. Yeah. So I mean you know, just a just a little a quick note. If you want to book a show and you're hardworking and you really think you can get a lot of people out, then tell the venue that. Be like, listen, we're gonna promote this show and we're gonna do a really great job of promoting it, and uh, you know, and then we can negotiate a deal and then tell them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one of the key points when you're trying to book a club is that you know, one, you need to be honest about what you can bring. Yeah. But if you can bring 200 people. There's, there's no reason why you should feel like you, you, you're not going to get a response. I mean, they want to fill their club. And right. if you can bring 200 people to a 200-capacity club, right. they're going to book you in a heartbeat. I mean, they, they want to fill the venue as well. Right. So. And you'll have negotiating power. And, and that's, um, yeah, so there are all those deals out there. But, um, you know, it's, it's typically, right, these promoters are approaching younger bands who don't know any better and don't know that they can actually go to the venue. And they, you know... A lot of the times, uh, a lot of these bands just don't know how to how to uh, contact them. So there's another deal out there um, with uh, promoters who contact bands, which 
isn't as bad, but it's pretty bad. Um, where it's a similar kind of thing where uh, you need to sell. Uh, the way that this works actually is, is typically they'll say you need to sell like 35 tickets up front at 10 to $15 a pop. Um, and you make zero money on the first 35, but you make 100% on everything after that you sell. So this could be a decent deal if you can bring a significant number out. Um, some will give you 100% and some will give you 50% or some, there's a percentage. So the deal that gives you 100% after the 35 tickets that you need to sell, you know, you could theoretically make a lot of money, but then, but you have to go out and actually physically sell these tickets. And that's another thing that they're contacting these like younger bands because they'll, they'll actually go out on the ground and sell their tickets physically to their friends and friends will pay them $15 and, you know, come to the thing. But if you think about it, if you bring 50 people to a smaller club, that's a good turnout. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of clubs would be happy if there are four bands on the bill. And this is just for your band that you're bringing, you know, 50 people for your band versus, you know, if there's a four band bill, four bands each bring in 50 people, you know, you got 200 people in this mm -hmm. club. That's a small club. Mm -hmm. That's a full night again for the, for the uh, venue, except you're only making um, if it's if it's a ten dollar cover. You're only making one hundred fifty bucks, and you brought fifty people, and that's five hundred dollars coming in, and you're only walking with one hundred fifty dollars. So it really isn't that good of a deal until you get up into the numbers of maybe bringing a hundred people mm -hmm. or two hundred people, and so those deals can work. Um, but a lot of a lot of promoters and, and clubs will say, yeah, you don't make anything on the first thirty-five or fifty tickets or seventy-five tickets. And then we split it 50-50 after that. So these are these are deals that you need to look out for. And these are not typical. Like I, I want to reiterate that. These are not typical deals. These are LA deals and these are shitty promoter deals. Like these are this is not what the real world is kind of like when it comes to this. And so um, you know, and it, it's um so by having to sell tickets up front, yeah. it, you should be in it together with the venue. You know, it's like when you're crunching the numbers, it's like, okay, the numbers could work out in your favor, but you should be in it with the venue and you should be, um, you know, working on the show together and it shouldn't just be one-sided. Like you have to sell all the tickets and that's that. Yeah. I think when you get into that kind of situation, you know, you're thinking, oh, this could not, this, this might not be so bad, but then it can very easily begin to feel like, Selling tickets to your concert is like selling Amway, and you're in a situation where you're feeling yeah, like yeah. <laughs> this awkward conversation. And that's why they go after young bands because they want bands that ha are like in high school or in right. college that have that kind of network. And not only network, they can stand at the student center and sell right, tickets. Right, and, and so so that's what they're really keen off of. Yeah, and when they're when they're doing those deals, and some of them will even like I know clubs on Sunset Strip. Some of them will literally take a band's credit card at the beginning of the night if they don't if they don't give them physical tickets to sell in advance. But they say we're gonna have a tally sheet at the door, and you have to bring fifty people, um, or we'll literally charge your credit card. Oh, so man. some will will give you fifty tickets to sell and say before you take the stage you have to pay us for these tickets. Others will say. We don't have any physical tickets to give you, but if 50 people don't show up at the door and say they're coming to see you with a tally tally check in the, uh, next to your name, then we're charging your credit card for 50 people times 15 or however many people didn't come to see you times $15. It's horrible. Um, but that exists. I know that exists. It's happened to some of my friends on Sunset Strip Clubs, and it's just like you want to avoid that at all costs. That's not the way to do it. So here's a question. Yeah. 
Is it worth it for a band that has no real performance history sure. to take one of these gigs in order to at least say, I played the Roxy, or I, I played a, a reputable club, or, yeah. so, or just have some sort of show in order to go to the next venue and yeah. at least not look like a band that just started yesterday. Well, here's the thing. I, it's, it's absolutely important for bands to get performance experience. And young bands, bands who are just starting off, uh, I say play anywhere and everywhere for free. Um, you know, you're not going to get paid for these early shows because you don't deserve to be paid for these early shows because you're not that good yet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you have to get good. Like, I don't think I got good until like my hundredth show. And I still I'm at like almost show 600. and I still know I'm improving and I'm getting better. But, you know, like it's and I'm not saying that you should, you know, it's you only deserve to be paid um, when you're like perfect or, or the best or whatever but you know you know when you're good it's a gut thing like you if you like listening to your live sets like you record all of your early shows listen back to them if they if they don't sound good to you they're probably not sounding good to anybody else and, you're, <laughs> and you don't deserve to be paid so this is all you know this this whole pay to play thing and this whole thing is, is is assuming that you're actually you've reached a level where you're good mm -hmm. so for all the bands who have practice their asses off who have paid their dues and and like early on yeah um i don't i still you do not you should not pay to play any of these awesome venues you should play shitty venues you should play small venues you should play anywhere play basement parties play college play frat parties play anywhere that will have you for no money to get performance experience play all the time just to cut your chops and get really good then when you finally feel that you're at a point where you're like you're actually you like how your live show is sounding people are actually choosing to come see you again choosing to come back to your performances because they actually have a good time at your shows and they're really good that's when you can start seeking out um some better deals and some uh, legitimate venues and really start promoting these shows. But to get to the point about um, should you play these these uh, awesome venues that or these name venues rather um, just to put it on your resume? No, because no one really cares what venue you played. And that's really the, the fact of the matter is and everyone in L.A. knows that anyone can play the Roxy if you can pay for it, mm -hmm. you know. And it's like so it's really not that that. Uh, it, it's, I mean, it's, it might be cool for you to say that, that you played the Roxy and because there's so much history there, the Viper Room or the Troubadour. And yeah, that's awesome. But it's not really going to advance your career. I'd say like play the clubs that, you know, are going to treat you fairly, going to treat you respectfully and uh, bring, you know, you can bring your fans out and the fans will follow you. You know, there's there's not really built in crowds at any of these venues. Like, sure, people know about these venues, so they know where to find it on a map. But if you, you know, book a club at, or you book a show at a, at a club that they haven't been to, then then tell them where it is and they'll come see you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what you what do we got next? So, on your list? so there's another deal out there that's a uh, where venues and this is where venues charge a rental fee. And it's, you know, it's it's borderline for me because it's kind of like you're, t you're filling the promoter's shoes. So the venue is basically saying that they have absolutely no trust in your draw, that they are covering their own asses saying, you know, uh, pay, you, you can play our night for $1,500. You can charge whatever cover you want. You can sell your merch. Um... But it costs fifteen hundred dollars. So, 
I don't like these deals because, again, the venue has absolutely no incentive to ha- to help you out with the show or to promote it or to put you on their calendar or anything. You're basically filling the shoes of a promoter, which is good to do now and then, now and again. Um, but if you crunch the numbers and can find out that this can work, if you can bring 500 people at $10 a head, then paying $1,500 up front works out to be a pretty good deal for you. Um, so, But if you're only going to bring 100 people, then paying $1,500 up front, you're going to lose a lot of money. So it's, it's a very risky deal for the band, and it's, it's, uh, it's a great deal for the venue. Um, so that's, that's another deal that's kind of like you have to crunch the numbers and you really have to know your draw. Um, then there's this other deal, um, which I, it's, it's kind of a sneaky deal, um, where, and they do this a lot at, at um, some like legitimate clubs in LA, and I call them legitimate, not the Sunset Strip Club. Not that the Sunset Strip Clubs aren't legitimate. They have legitimate shows, but like there's just, there's just so many shady promoters that operate out of those venues that um, it's tough. But some of the great venues in LA, um, they, when you work directly with the, uh, where you work directly with the venue, um, they'll say you have to bring a minimum amount of people, minimum amount of like 35 people um, at, you know, whatever, $10 a head. And then after 35, if, if you reach the 35 number mark, then it's like a 65% split, 65, uh, you get 65% of the door from dollar one. Mm-hmm. Meaning if you bring 36 people at $10 a head, that's gonna be $360 that is split between you and the venue you get 65, uh, the venue gets 35. Um, and that's, that's decent. That's okay. But if you bring 34 people, you walk with $0 and the venue walks with $340 and all the drink sales of those 34 people that you brought. So it's not the best, but it's fine. And I, I get it. Um, but the thing is, is that the, one of the main reasons why I'm, I don't like these deals is not really because of the money. It's because, um, it, it's per band, so every venue negotiates the deal with each band on the night. So they'll have like maybe four or five bands on the night, and every band has to bring a minimum of 35 people um, at $10 a head. So if every band brings 30 people, um, you know, that's, that's uh, and if everybody brings 30 people at $10 a head, every band walks with $0, and, every, and the venue walks with $1,500 and all their drink sales. So when you kind of get to that, and it's really because, um, but even more so, um, it doesn't encourage the bands to work together. And yeah. that's really the main point is this like, you know, the venue is, is, is betting is just like encouraging this, like, uh, hit it and quit it, um, uh, culture where, where fans will come to the band that they want to see and then they'll leave right after the band. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's that's a very L.A. thing. Whereas when I was in Minneapolis, it was a full night of music. People actually went out for a full night of music and they went to go see all three or four bands on the bill. And when you encourage this, like, every band tally sheet competition thing, then people will, that, that rubs off on the fans too because then the doorman is asking, okay, uh, who are you here to see? It's like, well... I'm here to see everyone. Well, no, you have to pick a band because that's who's getting paid. And then it just adds this competition, and then the fans are like, oh, all right, well, I guess that's how it works here. It's like I only go out to see one band. Um, and then, so in L.A., you don't really see many people coming and staying for the full night of music. You see them coming for, you know, the 45-minute set and leaving a minute later. Um, so that's, that's one of the main reasons why I don't like that kind of deal. 
Um, should we keep going? Yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> I'm on a tangent right now. You got to stop me if uh, right. No, no. Uh, all right, all right. Um, so, so, and here's like, here's now a standard deal, um, and this is the deal that I've I've negotiated with the majority of the clubs that I've booked in the country, um, is that you negotiate a a split of the door, split of the tickets, um, and it's a, a typical split for 21 plus clubs. Um, is anywhere from like 75 to 100% of the door to the artist. And because everyone who is coming into that club is over 21, so theoretically everyone is a drinker, theoretically the venue is going to get all these drinking sales, so the deal can be pretty good to you. Um, but the standard deal is that you negotiate a split, be it you know anywhere um, you know, about 70% or so, 75%. Um, and then they take the expenses off the top, uh, to cover sound, uh, to cover basically your sound guy. I mean, is really the only thing that they legitimately, and, and maybe the, the, the cocktail waitress or the, the bartender for the venue. But even then I, I don't think they really should be covering those expenses with your, your cut because whatever. But, but they'll take off an expense like maybe fifty. I've seen anywhere from fifty to three hundred fifty dollars, which is like somewhat standard. Uh, they have to open up the venue. They have to open up the room. They're like the sound guy. They wouldn't have to pay the sound guy if you weren't there. They wouldn't put a show. So that's okay. They're taking fifty bucks off the top, a hundred bucks off the top, and then you split the rest of the door. Um, you know what the venue in like I said like 21 plus clubs maybe 75 to 100 18 plus clubs I've seen anywhere from like 60 to 80 percent and then all ages venues are around like anywhere from like 40 to 70 percent because they have to hire extra security and a lot of the times they're not um, gonna be like younger crowds aren't gonna be drinking or anything so so this one is the one that you know you had one labeled as the sneaky deal mm -hmm. which I've not ever seen encountered but this one that you're talking about now is the one that I would almost consider the sneaky deal because in Portland, yeah. this is what you'll typically run into. Yeah. And at the end of the night, you'll kind of get the breakdown sheet of right. what, what their expenses are. And some of the expenses that will show up are very interesting. Like one of the, the, the sought after, like one of the best clubs in Portland to play. Yeah. Um, it's, it's gotten better because the person that was booking is no longer there who is doing this. Okay. But they would have all these expenses that were so padded oh. that, that it was just unreal. Like they would have catering at, oh. at $150. And catering, I'm not exaggerating one bit. Anyone who's played this venue will know exactly what I'm talking about <laughs> when I say was a bowl of salsa and a bowl of chips. No. And a case of PBR. $150. $150. That is super lame. And then there would be like the sound man, which, you know, whatever. And But a couple of uh, like advertising would be like $200, $300. And, and so what was frustrating is you'd look at that and that's why when I, th I always felt like it was the sneaky deal because yeah. it's like they are padding all these things big time oh yeah in a way that's just ridiculous in yeah. order to make sure that they are they getting, make out yeah. and and then they do a split at the door after that but it, yeah. but at the same time it's like come on no that's that is sneaky and and you should always get the expenses up front in writing so you should know before you take the the uh the show 
the the deal like what specifically they are taking and it, it's it's not even like I mean sure they can they can give you an itemized breakdown but that doesn't matter it's it's what how much money are they taking off the top you know they can say it's for catering it's for advertising it's for bartenders it's for sound guy whatever whatever but give me a number you know and it's like if they're going to be taking $500 off the top that doesn't make any sense you're not paying your sound guy $500 like typically a sound guy is going to be paid maybe 100 bucks for the night so take $100 off the top if they're taking any more than that then yeah that's that's total bull and and they you should just go back to them and be like no I'm not going to pay you for your bartender if if you want to charge me for your bartender, then I'm charging you for my merch guy and <laughs> and my groupie manager because I got a lot of groupies. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, you can't charge it for a bartender. That's that's to make you money. That's not to make me money. That does yeah. no good for me. Have you ever seen that? Uh, and I think I think this happened in Portland, but somebody who works at CD Baby played a show and on the uh, breakdown, you know, like settle up sheet at the end of the night, mm-hmm. they had. A performance rights organization fee, and I've seen those. So he had to basically pay, right, to perform his own songs, his own songs, right, to, in order to pay ASCAP. And at the time, it was before they had the like live show type programs where now you can go to your PRO and. and oh right, and, so yeah. it was like he was just so <laughs> angry. It was only like yeah. ten bucks or something, but yeah. it's still the the idea that he paid ten bucks right. in order for them to pay ASCAP for money he wasn't going to get. Right, that's just that's unethical. That's yeah. yeah, that's that's unethical. It's nice that 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 ASCAP and BMI have, have done the, their live program yes. where now you can make money on the songs that you perform live. But uh, I, I have seen those those little fees built in. Um, I don't know. That's kind of. You, you, you know, they, running a venue, you're going to have to, uh, those those costs, that's, that's part of running a venue, and you're just going to have to figure out, you know, where to put those costs. And I think by writing it on the on the contract uh, with the band, you know, I guess it's, it's at least showing the band that, all right, look, like, you're a songwriter, theoretically, and we are complying with these performing rights organizations that are theoretically representing you. So... This is like why we're taking a little bit of this money off the top of our deal. It'd be better if they took it off of the total. Well, I guess they did take it off the top of the deal. I don't know. It, $10 is whatever. And yeah. it's like if you charge that per band. It's like I guess it, it, it comes back around eventually because you can write. You could probably make 10 bucks for that gig anyways from ASCAP or BMI or whatever it is. I don't know how much. I don't know actually how much they're paying for those kinds of venues. It's, but It's probably for a gig, you know, typical set. It probably... Yeah. I heard someone from ASCAP say something about it. It ends up being around ten bucks. Or ten something. bucks, yeah. It, it that's just, what I it's, figured. It just depends, yeah. you know. So uh, you, you always want to get the the amount that they're going to take off the top and what the expenses are, and and charging one hundred fifty for catering for chips and salsa. That you got to call them out on that, and that is not cool at all. And you know, I'm I'm hopefully. They're not doing that anymore. They're not. Okay. From what I've heard, I haven't played there, but they have a new booking person. Okay. And uh, yeah. I haven't played there since this new person, and I've heard that they've that uh, yeah. they've changed their ways. It's good, because word will spread about that. I mean, if you're, you know, it's like venues that are that are really that cater to the bands and that really care about their bands. Um, you know, they'll give you a case of beer. They'll give you a couple drink tickets. I'm not going to charge you for them. They're drink tickets. They're they're. A thank you for playing our club. Here are a couple free drinks. 
uh, you know, and then maybe give them a couple CDs at the end of the night or whatever. It's just like, you know, it's just like a, it's good. It's uh, it's just a nice gesture for, mm-hmm. for welcoming someone into your establishment. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, I and I say like so there's another uh, the good deals out there, I guess, that are that are. Um, that are very fair um, that where the venue and the artists are in it with themselves or I'm sorry in it together and they're both on uh, they're both um, kind of promoting the show together and they're um, excited for the show is where there's a uh, percentage split from dollar one so a hundred people come ten dollars a head thousand dollars is made if you split a 70 30 with the venue the band walks with seven hundred dollars the venue walks with three hundred dollars and the venue makes all the drink sales you make all your merch sales boom that's done so those deals exist also uh those are those are very favorable deals um i don't see them as much uh typically if anyone want to take some expenses off the top even if it's just a 50 or 100 bucks for the sound guy um but if you find those deals those are great and feel very confident taking those deals again uh depending on the the the, the club res- age restrictions 21 plus club anything above 70 percent is great uh 18 plus club anything uh above 60 percent is is great and then in all ages it's it's tough because it's an all ages club but i'd say a 50 50 cut for an all ages is really mm-hmm. standard and that's that's good for yeah. an all ages club yeah, and you know those 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 deals do exist, like you said, and sometimes you know you just need to ask. And like if somebody says, yeah. "Hey, this is our deal," and uh, I think as an artist, sometimes we're we're so anxious to get the gig right. that we just say yes to anything, yeah. and we don't negotiate. That's a really good point, and that's I mean that's a great point. Is you always want to uh, everything is negotiable, and artists I think a lot of times don't really realize that, and because you know we're not lawyers, we're not contract negotiators, we don't really negotiate that often. Um, but yeah, everything is negotiable, and so if if a de- if um, I've had a lot of times where a venue will come to me and be like, oh yeah. Um, yeah, you can play for $1,500 rental fee and charge whatever. They come to me with that, and I come back and be like, how about we do a 70-30 split? I get 70%, and you get 30%. How's that? He's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. And literally, literally that, that has happened before. And where they offered me a rental deal for $1,500, and I went back to them and be like, no, I'm going to I'm going to really promote this show. I have this kind of uh, history in your area. I've played these clubs, I've brought this many people. How about we do a 70/30 split? And then they're like, "Okay, that sounds good. You seem like a hard worker. You're going to promote the show." So you can you can negotiate with yeah. them, and it's definitely everything's negotiable. Um, and then when you've built when you've built your reputation in a town or with a venue or with a promoter um, and you've consistently filled their club, um, then you can actually you have much more clout where you can go to them and you can say, um, "Can we get a guarantee for the show? You know, plus a percentage of the door." And that's the best deal out there. Um, these deals uh, are for superstar artists who play arenas, um, down to you know local bands who are playing local clubs. These dis- deals exist across the board if you have the clout. So. It's basically right, a guarantee. So a venue will say, we want you so badly to play our venue because you've done such a great job in the past. You've filled our venue every time. We love your music. You're putting on a great show. It's just a pleasure to have you here. 
We'll give you a thousand bucks to play the to play the show. Plus, you know, um, or like versus uh, 80% of the door, whichever is greater mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that. And so those deals, um, you know, I, I've seen, I've seen uh, major superstar band uh, promoter breakdowns and those, those are the deals for them. Um, and those are the deals that I've seen on uh, for some local bands with local venues who they're just, you know, selling out every show they play and so they exist and that's the best deal that's like that's the top of the game if you can reach that point you know you're you're doing a good job yeah and and those those do exist um and it but it does take some building of an audience yeah. and, and proving a history a track record and uh I, we played with this band in in portland who didn't even play that much didn't even tour that much but when they played they packed it out and yeah the last show we played with them they uh, the they were the headliner and, and they got a thousand dollar guarantee and yeah at a, it was like a two hundred and fifty person club and it's because the they knew that it was going to be packed right and it was yeah and and so they do exist but you are going to have to you can't expect that going like right I and I, and honestly you know in all of my shows that I have played um, putting. Uh, yeah, I'd say putting colleges aside because colleges are a completely different different area that we can cover in another podcast because <laughs> that is a way too in depth of a conversation to get into in, in, in just at the end of this one. But putting colleges aside because all college gigs are guarantee gigs, so I've made a I made a guarantee on every single college show I've ever played, and I've played over a hundred college shows. But um, putting colleges aside, I've never I don't honestly I think I've ever taken a guarantee from a club because. I want to. I'm. I want to be in it with the club together. And honestly, like I think it's both of our responsibilities. Um, but but primarily the weight is on my shoulders to promote the show and to bring an audience. Um, and I'm happy to split the door with the club because if no one shows up to the club, I don't want to walk away with five hundred dollars and the club get zero and and take a major loss from the night and have to go bankrupt because of me. And hate you. And hate you. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. It's like, oh sorry, no one came, but uh where's my five hundred bucks? Where's my thousand dollars? Like, whoops, you know? Because then you're never gonna play there again, you yeah. know? And it's like I, I just I never felt comfortable taking a guarantee, even when they've offered them to me. I've just like listen, like why don't we just do a straight door cut? Because like, you know, the the same we've done 70 30 80 20 whatever like maybe give me give me five more percent that's cool like if if you want to you know uh you know treat me well or whatever but it's uh i i think like that's the fairest thing all around it's just like it, it really gives you incentive the band and the venue to work really hard on promoting the show and putting on and it and and you're on the same team then there's you yeah. know it's you're you're both going to make out or you're both going to lose at the end of the night and i think that's how it really should be yeah yeah, yeah. It's interesting because some of the with the independent band I was in in Portland, um, some of the biggest guarantee shows we played yeah. were to nobody. Because, really? Because the it was like an event, and they just had a budget and they yeah. guaranteed us, and it was it was just a weird weird thing that like yeah. we're making a lot of money playing yeah. to nobody. But but yeah, I mean, I think the idea of working seeing the venue as a partner. Yeah, and wanting success for both both parties. Sure, and that that being the probably the best way to go until you you can command a serious audience. Yeah, so. well, I mean, yeah, and those are those are for like your standard club uh, headlining gigs, whereas like you know uh, events or like private events. Yeah, 
take what you can because yeah. that that's on them. Like yeah. if, if it's their and that's event, what those were. Yeah, they were if private events. If, if like an outside company is hiring you to play their event and it just happens to be at a venue, then take the money and, and play the gig. And it, you, like you have absolutely no responsibility to bring anybody. That's on them. And that's. And that's totally fine. Like I've done a bunch of those kinds of events um, where it's just like there's you know a company or, or an organization that has a budget and wants to hire you to be the entertainment for the night. You're serving a purpose. You're serving a function for them. You're serving, you know. Um, so that's that's different, and that's that's similar to kind of the, these college gigs where they just pay you to come, you know, play their event on campus yeah. or something like that. So, well. Um do you have any final words of, <laughs> before as far as uh, I think we covered all your your different scenarios. Yeah. Do you have any final words for artists who are reaching out to, to promoters of, of like some best practices sure. or some things that uh, can help them? Um, well, I, I think the the um, the thing you really want to uh, think just I guess the rule of thumb is is don't play a big venue if you can't fill it. It's it's not. It, it actually it hurts your reputation more than it helps it to play a well-known established venue and and not be able to fill it and, and really and have no one show up show up then um, because always I would say play a venue that uh, play the smallest possible venue um, that you can fill and basically pack and sell out it's better to sell out a 200 person venue than it is to play a thousand person venue and bring 250 people and uh you know so just keep that in mind when you're booking shows like start off with the small venues start off with the venues that are going to treat you respectfully and that you can fill and that you can bring a crowd to and and really don't expect that the venues are going to do much promotion because they're really not. It really is on the band's shoulders to promote the show. The venue will add you to their show calendar and they'll add you to their website, but that's about it. And so as long as you have that understanding that it's really, it's going to be up to you to bring your crowd at least early on before you're working with promoters and before you have a like serious established clout in your scene, then, then you'll, you'll do all right. Good advice. Thanks for being <laughs> on the podcast. Where where can uh, people find out more about uh, what you're doing and some of your writings? Yeah, um, well, um, Ariestake.com is the blog where uh, you can read all uh, all these kinds of uh, articles and tips and stuff like that. Um, you can go to AriHerstand.com. That's my music website, and uh, my my new record is on there. My new record is on Spotify and Bandcamp, and iTunes and and everywhere else. Um, and the new record is called Brave Enough, so definitely check that out. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can. Uh, I'll I'll be touring in a little bit, and so come come see a show. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Well, thanks again to Ari for chatting over dinner. I'm gonna close out this episode with a song from his new album, Brave Enough. So be sure to stick around for that. There will also be links to Ari's music and his website in the show notes at cdbabypodcast.com. If you want to weigh in on the topic of whether or not artists should pay to play, uh, you can do so. Maybe you've had a good experience paying to play or you've had uh, more feedback about some of these scenarios. We'd love to hear it. Um, There's the comment section for this episode at cdbabypodcast.com. You can email us at podcast at cdbabypodcast.com or you can call our listener line at 
1-800-222-0209. And uh, if you want to connect on Twitter, you can find me there, at KBruner. And uh, that's going to do it. So I'm going to close it out. Here is Ari Herstand and the track Keep Fighting from his new album, Brave Enough. Like outside your door Wouldn't have I wouldn't puff I couldn't blow down hard enough